a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. You ready to have a good time? On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Hey, there he is. There he is. The one and only. Connecting to audio. There he is. Yo, what's happening? Here I is. What's going on? Yes. Not much. Bonjour, monsieur. Oh, bonjour. Bonjour. Yeah, well, we're from Montreal. And, uh, oh, okay, I got, I got it. I got you. It's yeah. been about 15 years since I last interviewed you, so it's, it's great to have you back. 15 years? Oh, my God. I hope I got something new to say. <laughs> you always got something new to say. Come on. <laughs> I'm hoping. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, I'll just add this and then we'll get... I'm recovering from single to mile. That's what's happening. I know. Hung over? No, 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 no. Never hung over. Never. I think at this point you'd have like a bat, like you'd have like a PhD in partying, right? Like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but I, I've kind of turned it over to you know the kids now. Right, smart move. Like, I don't slam the Jack Daniels like I did when I was twenty four years old. You know, <laughs> it creeps up on you. <laughs> it, it, it does. Uh, and, and I'll just I'll quickly just say I just want to thank you for one of the greatest nights ever at, at the two thousand four tour in Montreal. I was in that little snake pit that you had by the side of the stage, and you and oh, yeah. uh, you and Sammy would run down and drink stuff, and and you handed me two uh, signed set lists, and I was like, dude, thank you. Oh wow. So yeah, so good times. Okay, yeah, we always there was it was always a good time on our side of the stage. You know, uh, yeah, I know. The other side where Eddie, you know, they were always a little bit, I don't know, tense over there. On our side, it was kind of like, hey, we're here to party, you know. Yeah, stage right was so, the good time side. Stage left was the drama side. Yeah, uh, uh, I, <laughs> well, I not, noticed not, that. Not, not not so much drama, but the more you know serious side. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well. The side with a lot of wine. <laughs> Yeah, there you a go. Lot of everything. <laughs> yeah. anyway. How much time do we have with you today? Like, we got like thirty minutes. Is that good? Yeah, yeah, probably about thirty minutes. I'm I'm getting really busy now. We're getting ready to go out on tour here pretty quick. So nice. Yeah, you guys That's were doing fun. a bunch of shows with the residency and stuff. How did those shows go? Yeah, the shows the shows all went great. You know, the the Strat out there isn't uh, you know it's not a huge place like the Park MGM or one of these other places like where Aerosmith's playing. That's the way Sammy wanted it because it's all decorated inside to look like the Cabo Wabo Cantina. Right. You walk in there and, you know, you're supposed to be transported to Cabo San Lucas. And, uh, yeah, yeah it, it pretty much worked. <laughs> but it yeah, they were, give, they, were, they were great. Yeah, it gives you like the, uh, the birthday bash kind of vibe, but in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of like what we were, that we we're trying to recreate there, except uh, without the birthday, you know. Right. That's it. Birthday is only actually the excuse for the bash. So. Well, look, we didn't even do a proper intro, so welcome back to the show, Mr. Michael Anthony. There he is. There he is. <laughs> there he is. It's great to have you back. Last time around, man, our interview kind of went viral and everything. I mean, uh, we don't want to be the gossip show or nothing, but we're going to talk about the music and the history and everything. But there's so much stuff going on with like the the name Van Halen and everything. I mean, uh, what are you going to be involved with any of that David Lee Roth, Alex Van Halen stuff? Like, have you read those stories that are in the press? Oh, yeah, you know. It, you know, it's it's kind of weird because uh, as soon as somebody mentions says something, even if it's not necessarily going to happen, all of a sudden somebody grabs a hold of it, and all of a sudden it's blown up. The only thing that was kind of a it was kind of a surprise to me was the Jason Newstead thing, right? When he came out and said that Alex had talked to him, uh, what last year or something like that, 
Yeah. Which, which is kind of, which is kind of uh, interesting because I actually had been talking with uh, on, a, on a, a conference call with Irving Azoff, Alex and Dave last year. So I don't know what, what the Jason thing was all about, but, but, uh, and that's with Satriani and, uh, you know, and I spoke to Joe about it and, you know, it was, it was more, you know, just of something to kicking around. Alex is still, you know, in kind of morning or whatever you want to say, you know, about in morning, about I guess. Passing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was just nothing more than, you know, everyone talking, but I did, I did have some talks with, uh, with Dave and Alex last year. So I, I'm, I'm not really sure what the Jason Newstead thing came out of because we had been discussing this for well over a year. Right. Yeah. Do you think maybe it was just like a ploy to get some press or like, what do you, do you think? I don't know. Does he have a new album coming out? Does his band have a new album coming out or something? I, <laughs> I think I they had like some charity show that weekend. It's like, shit, how am I going to get some press to get plugged the show? <laughs> but anyway, as far as right now, everything's, everything's pretty quiet. And you know, I, I hope something happens in the, in the future here. And, uh, you know, like, uh, I think, I think Joe was mentioning it in some of the interviews that the interview that he did that, uh, it's more of like a celebration of the band and the music rather than calling it Van Halen, you know, because yeah. obviously Eddie being probably the most integral part of the whole band, you know, it's can't really, you know, call it Van Halen after that. And, uh, you know, and I, and I know his son, Wolfie, he's out doing his own thing now and he doesn't even want, you know, he went out and played with the band or whatever, but I think he's into his, his own music now. And, uh, you know, I'm sure at some point he'll play some, some of, uh, some of the Van Halen stuff, but right now I think he's more focused on his thing. Yeah. It's almost like he doesn't want anything to do with it. He's like distancing himself yeah, as much. You know, because then you, you know, all of a sudden you get pigeonholed into it, you know, and, uh, yep. you know, and, uh, he doesn't want to be known as Eddie Van Halen's kid his whole life. You know, he wants to go out there and make a name for himself and which I, which I totally understand, man. And I agree with. Well, yeah. look, uh, Julian Lennon didn't uh, run around singing Beatles songs or John Lennon solo songs, and and more power to him. I mean, you yeah. know, he got to be known for Velot and his own stuff. So, uh, yeah. more more power to uh, to to Wolfie for doing it uh, the way he's doing it. I think that's the way he's supposed to do it. Be your yeah. own guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. So we've got the tour with uh, George Thurgood and also the hot sauces. Uh, Jeremy, uh, kick it off. Which way? Which way do you want to go? Well, let's talk about hot sauces because I'm well, I'm am super interested in this. So um, me too. I, just I'm emailing back with your daughter and stuff, talking about like getting this interview set and everything. I'm like I'm cracking up at all the hot sauces because man, Michael Anthony's hot sauce is like the number one celeb hot sauce I see online. It's it's always Matt Anthony Cafe, Matt Anthony Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, actually uh, hired my daughter on, so to speak. Uh, some months back to, you know, she wanted to, to help me out and, and, and the people that were help, helping me with uh, product development and marketing weren't really uh, up to what I wanted them to be doing. And, and my daughter's all, yeah, okay. So I hired her on and all of a sudden she's got me, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that. Hey, where are you going? Take a bottle of hot sauce with you. Yeah. Instagram it, this, that, whatever. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> okay. She's running me all over the place. But, uh, yeah, it's it. You know, it's uh, we. I initially came out with it in two thousand four, and it was more of just kind of like a novel thing because uh, at that time Joe Perry from Aerosmith had his Boneyard uh, sauce that he had just come out with, 
Yeah. And uh, but the one thing that I wanted to do was different than some of these guys was I didn't want to just slap my name on any old ball of hot sauce and you know I have a company make it for me and call it Michael Anthony's Ring of Fire or you know <laughs> Michael and, Anthony's uh, Burning Hole Sauce. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I I had partnered up and uh, actually met through uh, uh, there's a convention that's out here and it's in Anaheim every year called the NAM convention you know for the music right. merchandisers. And somebody came up to me and said, hey, this this person from this hot sauce company here called uh, Mike and Diane's Gourmet Kitchen, they uh, are really excited because uh, their hot sauce, well, you probably can't see it. I have a tattoo on my arm here of a, it's going to be upside down. Oh, yeah. A Mexican dude blowing flames out. This is the logo of this company's sauce. And when Van Halen was recording, uh, we were shooting a video, uh, one of the videos, uh, uh, Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do. They had a bottle of that saucer and I really liked it. I'm all, hey, can I have this? That'd make a great tat and so i ended up doing this and they saw it that i had done this and uh became interested and i wanted to be in on the ground level if i was going to develop a sauce you know mm-hmm. like i said not just slap my name on it so we right. became you know we, we talked a lot and whatever and they said well we can give you like a base to go with and i don't know as far as you know certain ingredients more you know i'm more like well mm-hmm. i want to taste a little more like this or you know it's too sweet or or whatever and kind of developed it all on my own which you know which I'm kind of proud of because it's like my sauce, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's the flavor of Michael Anthony. I mean, yeah. it's it's almost like working in the studio trying to write a song. It's like, okay, I need a little bit of this, need a little bit of that. It's it's a, it's a creative kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, you know, rather band-wise, it's rather than, you know, write something with, that that's popular or what's happening or whatever, you know, you go your own way and do your own thing. Van Halen, we always said that, you know, that we didn't write towards any kind of fads or, or whatever, you know, if discos happen, we didn't write anything that had that kind of a beat. We always wrote how we did, you know, if you, you got to please yourself first before you can please anybody else. That's what we had, you know, that's what we always thought. Right. And it's a good way to look um, at it. The, uh, the first time I interviewed you was in 2004 for the hot sauces. Mm-hmm. And, and as you mentioned, it was sort of to be in competition or because Joe Perry was doing it, you decided to do it. Um, what have you, why did you decide to sort of keep doing it? And do you sort of every year re rethink the recipes and rethink how you're going to market it and, and come up with different flavors? Or is it like, listen, we've got our 10 flavors. We'll leave it at that. Uh, how do you sort of see the business moving forward? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I, when I came out with it, it really wasn't like, Hey, Joe Perry's got a sauce. got to come out with one. It was more of like everybody kind of hounding me about it. It's the same thing with the Jack Daniels base. Right. Back then, I I was slamming Jack Daniels, and people would go, "Oh man, you ought to have a baseball that looks like a Jack Daniels bottle!" Ha 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 ha! And so the first one, so so I said, "Hey, why why not?" And my my tech Doogie, who's still with me today, he's the one who kind of spearheaded it and said, "Yeah, you know, let's do it." And it was more like a novel thing, and the, the hot sauce kind of started out like that too. Everybody kept saying, "Hey, God, you ought to make a hot sauce," and this and that. And I, and then when I met these these people from the company, and everything started kind of rolling i thought okay this could be a fun thing to do but i never had any intention of trying to grow it big like you know like sammy's done with his cabo wabo or yeah or whatever and it was more just like a personal thing to have fun with but i think as time went well actually back in 2004 when we came out with the numich i don't know if i told you about this or if it had happened already right but uh i submitted my sauces it was my hot sauce and then my mustard which we didn't even have a label for yet we had just developed it and uh there was a uh it's like a, a Southwest uh, hot sauce competition that they hold in the, in the South. Right. And I actually came in uh, first place with my mustard and like second place with my hot sauce. And I'm like, wow, this is, and, and, and there were all kinds of, you know, sauces 
that were entered. All of a sudden, I've got Chili Pepper Magazine. I got a couple other magazines that wanted to interview me about my sauces. And uh, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, it's just a fun thing to do. But now that I've actually got a little bit more time on my hands uh, to kind of be involved more, because I didn't want to just run the thing, have people running it for me either. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I started to get a little bit more serious about it. But I, I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to have like 20 different sauces or whatever. We we're actually work, working on a, uh, uh, I guess I can say it, on a Bloody Mary mix right now. Ooh. But, uh, you know, I'd rather keep it, you know, people go, how come you don't have like a chunky salsa and this and that? Well, first off, once you start doing that, then you got the FDA that you really got, you know, because now you got vegetables and yeah. stuff like that that you're really dealing with. And you got a whole nother. It's a it's a pretty big uh, process. to All to the red tape. Get, to get everything okayed and, you know, to be able to put it out there. And uh, so I like to keep it kind of simple. I do have, you know, I got my sauce and I got three different heat levels and then we do the mustard and the barbecue sauce. And that's, you know, uh, we're, we got the idea for, uh, for doing this bloody Mary thing, uh, through, uh, a partnership that I have now with a company, uh, a restaurant chain called wild wing cafe, right. which is really popular in the South out here. And, uh, they got something like 40, 50 restaurants now and they're growing it all the time. And they use my, uh, my barbecue sauce and my uh, and my mustard in a lot of their uh, stuff, and so I'm kind of, you know, and then we're going to start adding the the Bloody Mary thing onto their menu, and we'll see what happens from there. Do you see wow. yourself opening up like a restaurant at some point, like the Mad Anthony <laughs> Cafe <laughs> with all your stuff? Hey, believe me, after being partners back then with with Hagar, when we opened up the Cabo Wabo, mm-hmm. it's like unless you're there. 24 seven watching over the whole operation. Everybody's doing this. They're picking from here. And yeah. 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 My mom, I'll tell you what, my mom, we had a restaurant too. And if she wasn't there, it was just like, you know, when the, when the cats are away, the mice will play sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I remember having people ask us or when we would have business meetings with uh, uh, lawyers or whatever, and they would just say, well, how much do you, you know, how much do you want to, make you know what what's your what's your goal here and if you reach that goal then don't worry what they're taking off the t- what they're stealing <laughs> off the top you're making what you want to make right. you know so um, but, but i know the, i know the restaurant business is really really hard and yeah. uh you know well, like, well, I, I, I have been business, approached dude. by a few people to do stuff like that but i you know I, I i i don't have the time that i would want to dedicate to that yeah um let me just quickly ask you about your relationship with uh, Sammy Hagar. I mean, here you are. You're going to go on tour. You're going to have this uh, tour with uh, George Thurgood opening. Uh, when he comes in at the end of 84 or beginning of 85, were you already friends with him? Did you know him? Was he just the new guy and, and you eventually became friends? Or how did that sort of develop? Because he's been exceptionally loyal to you and you have been exceptionally loyal to him for what, what's the math on this? 35, 40 years now, whatever yeah, it is. A long time, long time now. You know, when he, when he first came in, he actually, had, as a soul artist, uh, played on a few uh, shows that we, that Van Halen had done. Yep. There were some outdoor shows that, that we did that he was like an opening act or whatever. Yep. And uh, I never, I never knew him though. I mean, I knew of my news music, like, you know, everybody does. Right. Uh, all the bands, you know, know, know each other. Uh, I know Eddie had met him. Also, but I never actually met him until he walked into 5150 after uh-huh. uh, 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 him and Eddie jammed and uh, he decided to come and uh, see what this Van Halen thing was all about. I don't even think Sammy had any plan- intention of joining the band at that point. I think he just wanted to come to the studio and see if all the party and drugs and drinking rumors were true. 
<laughs> which they were, they I guess, were. at this point. <laughs> he was there. He was there for the Eddie autograph. That's what he was exactly. there for. So, when, so, so, you know, my introduction to him was just as as the new lead singer. But right. we became fast friends because he. I mean, I let's put it this way. I owned two cars when he joined Van Halen. I had one, and my wife had one. And by like the next year or whatever, I owned ten cars. And wow. I, and my wife hated me for that, and she owed it all to Sammy Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, let me yeah. ask you about that. I mean, you you became a number one selling artist uh, after that. You know, all your albums went to number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, there's this dichotomy about oh, the Sammy years versus the the Hagar, the um, the Dave years. But was right. that positive for you to to get on to Billboard and to get on to the MTV rotation and to be a number one band? Did, did you feel you were selling out or do you feel you were doing what the band always needed to be doing? You know, not, it, I don't, not, nothing that Van Halen ever did was a conscious effort. Right. You know, like even from the beginning, Warner Brothers would say, hey, you know, everyone would be going, what's the first single going to be and whatever. And we said, hey, you guys choose it. You know, we love all the music. And we, we made it. So you guys choose whatever you think. And we never wrote towards that way. Like, you know, we need a number one single or whatever, you know, when, when Jump which was our only big single from Van Halen, you know, the early days of Van Halen. I mean, number one, uh, Roth and, uh, you know, didn't even want that song on the album because he's all, Eddie, you're a guitar God, man. You're not supposed to be playing keyboards. And Eddie just, you know, he was, he grew up classically trained on pianos, uh, you know, in addition to picking up guitar. So, so I think, you know, when, when Sammy joined the band, I think it was just a natural progression of the band. We just continued writing and Sammy brought in this whole knowledge of I mean, being a guitar player himself. He understood structure of music and stuff like that. So from that standpoint, where Dave would always write the lyrics and go, yeah, that's, you know, man, play that hard or whatever. Sammy's like, hey, you know, you got this chord here. What if we play this chord or, or, or whatever, make this change? Mm. Brought a whole new element. And it just kind of changed, it changed the dynamic of the band. I mean, you, you know, we were not going to continue doing what we didn't want to continue doing what we were doing with Dave because, you know, that right. was with Dave, you know. Right. Yeah. So I think it's it a natural, I don't know, evolution, you know, the way the band was uh, evolving. Was, was like the band wasn't... left alone? Sorry. I was going to say, was the band left alone by the record companies? Because after you have the success of Jump and then 5150 is a success and then the next one and the next one, does the record company come in and say, all right, start writing hits or, or do they just say, oh, it's Van Halen, just leave them alone. Just don't don't touch <laughs> you know it wasn't it wasn't so much start writing hits as much as you know just keep writing keep writing put another out put another out go on tour write tour record tour you know and we were just i don't know how many years we did that for us like yeah uh we would actually hit the road pretty much before the album even came out you know and then we no sooner get back home and uh everybody would want a break and they were like well when you guys going back into the studio <laughs> it's like but but it wasn't until like the, the later albums where we really kind of took the reins and, you know, we always, we work with producers, work with everybody, you know, obviously from Ted Templeman to, you know, Mick uh, Jones Mick, from Mick Foreigner. Jones even, yeah, yeah. Came in from Foreigner. And the, and the, and the reason we did that was because we just wanted to see how another producer looked at the band and, and, and how they would perceive the band and record us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, nothing more than that, nothing like, Oh, we got to bring Mick and so we can write some hits it was never like that. It was always just because we wanted to try something new, you know, it's like Eddie always was doing with the guitars. I mean, I've seen him take some of the uh, most priceless guitars 
that that a guitar player would i mean he'd make a lot of these guitarists cry when they'd see some of the stuff he would do you know oh, what are you doing Ed? i'm just seeing if i open the hole up for this pickup a little bit more i can put this in here and whatever i go oh but that's a freaking gibson es335 it's worth blah 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 he goes ah, you know <laughs> i've got four of them <laughs> But yeah, man, you know, we were always we were always like that. We were never, you know, never succumbed to trying to write hits or whatever. It's kind of like, hey, like like I said, you got to please yourself before you please everybody else. And you know, we, yeah. we never had that. Let's sell out and become. Now, the way it did kind of lean a little bit more. People thought we were a little bit more commercial sounding, or a lot more, or whatever. You know, more commercial sounding than we were with Dave. It's a natural evolution of the band. Right. And it seems like it was more of a collaborative effort with Sam, too, because it it sounds like Dave would just go in and write lyrics, and Sam was like, yeah, you know, maybe we could go with this chord. It seemed like a more musical marriage in a way with Sammy. Yeah, it was. Plus, you know, Sammy's range vocally, Mm -hmm. Eddie would say, God, I could write anything I want now if he can sing it, which, you know, when Sammy joined the band, it was. And unfortunately for me, I had to start singing higher too <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Dave, it was no problem at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, think about it. Thirty years later, like, okay, we're gonna have to drop this a whole step oh. at some point. You know what? That's one. That's one thing that a lot of singers don't think about when they're writing. You know, writing in early on or whatever, they don't think about what's going to happen twenty-five years from now when people still want to hear that song. What do we do? And you know, it, it's just something that happens with with every single rock band. I mean, there's. And if, if, if there are any exceptions, maybe one or two, but uh, everybody starts tuning down a whole step or whatever. And, you know, it's yeah. no fun for the bass player, though. Let me tell you, it's like the strings are, barn, barn, you know, super loosening. slinky. Yeah. And I don't I don't really go for it. Yeah. But thank God I can still hit the high notes. It's Worst locally. case scenario, you break out the Pro Tools rig and you're good to go. Oh. Good to go. Sammy's not cheating on this tour. Don't say that. No, no. And you know, and you know what? You just you brought that up though too. It's, it's the, this latest album that uh, the circle that we we yeah. recorded last September in Nashville with Dave Cobb. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh with wow! That. Yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, in uh, most, I mean, last year I remember uh, speaking with Slash because he did Slash's uh, record, yeah, latest, that's latest record. Solo thing, and that was, he was telling me, yeah, and we talked about Dave. Dave, he wanted to record this band. And he was, a, he, he was a big Van Halen fan or whatever. And so when we went in the studio with him, it was like, oh, my God, we were recording just like we did the early Van Halen days. We were out there in the studio with all our instruments. Sammy was in a vocal booth, obviously, to, yeah. be, uh, to have that separation. And Dave Cobb was even in the studio with us. He played rhythm, rhythm guitar on uh, every track on this, wow. on this new album. But I think it's personally some of the best stuff uh instrumentally and vocally i've done since van halen wow now, sammy said it was the best record he's ever done yeah which you know i think well, of 51, course, every, record, wants every, to have a word of course every record's the best record you've ever done you ever <laughs> talk to anybody who's just putting out a record and going well i don't know i don't think this one's quite as good as the last one but we'll see what happens <laughs> Jeez. best record i've ever done i think four unlawful carnal knowledge wants to have a talk with him yeah, yeah, there, exactly. yeah there you go but <laughs> But anyway, yeah, we were, I mean, and, and the way we recorded it was even uh, a bit different than we used to in the early days, too. We were, Dave Cobb likes to write in the studio, and he took a lot of, a lot of the stuff 
business from Sammy, but there's a lot of stuff that uh, the circle wrote as we wrote as a band in the studio. And that's because I'd be, I'd be playing a bass lick or Vic would, would be playing something and they would go, Oh, that sounds great. Let's work on that. And all of a sudden, boom, we would have a song. And that's the way Dave likes to do it in the studio. And it was great. Cause we, I've never really, even with Van Halen, we've always had uh, uh, pretty much of a, of a, of a, an idea for a song rather than just a lick. There were very few times where we just had a lick, you know, Eddie would, you know, would write a, a certain uh, segment of the song. And uh, it was great because Dave's out there in the studio with us. His uh, engineer, Vance Powell is in the control room and Dave's going, okay, Hey, get this, you know, work something out. And Dave, Dave will go, let's record it. Let's do it. And you don't have any time to work up the song or play it a hundred times or whatever, which yeah. Sometimes that's not so good, but other times it's great because you got a real spontaneity going there when you put, do it like that. And right. I think it really shows on this record. Yeah. Nice. When does it come out? I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. When's it coming out? Uh, we just recently, uh, over the last couple of months, we uh, have been doing a few sporadic shows here and there before we start uh, the tour uh, next month with Thoroughgood. Mm-hmm. And uh, we. Uh, uh, shot four videos for four of the songs while we were out. And so uh, it's, I, something's going to be coming out real soon. You know, we're not, we're going to give like some little tastes of the album before the full thing comes out. All right. All but, right but, but it's going to be, it'll be, it'll be very soon. You'll be hearing something by this summer. What kind of music can we expect of it? It's going to be like some Van Halen-y riffs. Is it like, what, like what's You're the vibe? Hear, <laughs> there'll be some Van Halen-y riffs. There's uh, uh, other, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say they're like ballads. They're not even power ballads, but it's just uh, some of the stuff that that we wrote is really different than anything that I've ever been involved with. Right. One thing that I know Sam wanted to do, and one thing that Dave Cobb really liked, was having those Van Halen sounding background vocals. Right. Yes. And this is the first time that I've went, ever gone in there, and I've multiple songs. I do all the background vocals myself, which is something wow. I've never done. So kind of, kind of. Kind of blew me away. I was kind of like, yeah, really yeah. proud of what I did. <laughs> well, you know what? You, I mean, look. Plus, everybody... plus the fact that some of this stuff, you know, none of the other guys can sing that high. So, well, that's it. And, you know, <laughs> and look, Mike, I mean, let's be honest here. You're one of the greatest vocalists of all time, whether it be background vocal or live. I mean, you hear some, you singing that Van Halen stuff, classic lead vocal. It's like, it sounds phenomenal. Your backing vocals are iconic. So, that's what wow. happens when you grow up in a family with five kids and everyone's yelling at each other you know, <laughs> for the first 18 years of their life. <laughs> you get that. Those vocal cords. Yeah. yeah. When you're in the studio, just real quick, I mean, everybody talks about Ed being the gear slut, you know, guitars, amps, this and that. Were you ever big into the, like the guitar, like the bass rigs and different amps, different, all this, because you've played all no, kinds of really, stuff through the years. It was really interesting. Eddie's sound was, was so unique and so broad yeah. that, and then, and then on the other hand, everybody, we wanted, wanted to have the big drum sound, whereas the bass, I was always trying to like, had to fit it in where it would work because Eddie's tonal range was so broad. Mm-hmm. It didn't give the bass a lot of room to breathe. Like, uh, for instance, you got a band like Led Zeppelin where Jimmy Page's sound is a little more, uh, uh, not compressed sounding, but it's, it's more it's confined. Little, it's more confined where John Paul Jones can play a big, you know, bassy line, which would never work with, with Van Halen. So I really, the, the main reason that I'd be trying a lot of amps and stuff like that was just to be trying different amps to fit in. <laughs> to fit within. <laughs> I couldn't have that really big, huge bass sound because it would just, it would, it would conflict with what Alice with the big drums and the big guitar sound. So sometimes, sometimes it was a little bit frustrating. 
Yeah. I can uh, I can imagine doing an album. I think I think uh, the foreign lawful carnal knowledge when we recorded Andy Johns, uh, Andy having a he played bass also. But I think that was one of the first records where we could really open up the bass a bit, and Andy wanted to give it a pocket where it could really do its own thing, and people would actually hear it. Right. Yeah. Wow. And that was and, like, and, I, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and then and then playing like with the circle chad smith you know and and joe satriani their sounds are different so now the bass i can all of a sudden i mean you're hearing it a lot bigger and uh you know i wish i could have done that in van halen but i mean it was back then it was the sound that's what that's what the sound was and that's what it called for and uh, i didn't have the ego where i was going oh no the bass has got to be this man turn it up you know i was just like listen you can't bemoan the the van halen catalog it's it's terrific I mean, a- no. every every era, and I love the uh, the the Gary Sharon record. I'm, I might be one of the few, but I think mm-hmm. it, I think it was great too. Um, let me just quickly ask you: when you did the volume one, the best of, I, I somebody mm-hmm. told me this story the other day that uh, can't get this stuff no more. Me wise magic were like pulling teeth because it it took months and months to get the vocals from Dave. He wasn't. A, that's what I was told. What do you recall of that? Was was it painful to get those two songs done, or was it in out old Van Halen? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there is a story. I don't want. I don't want yeah, I don't mind. I don't want to talk okay. about anybody or whatever. Okay. It, it did take a bit longer. I mean, it even took Eddie longer. I mean, gotcha. to do his guitar stuff because he was so particular in what he wanted. There would be days when I would come into the studio. I'd be there like. Uh, 11 in the morning and I'd leave at seven o'clock at night and not have played one note Jeez. because Eddie was goofing with this and now on this chord and I can't, you know, you know, whatever. So, you know, I was in a way it was a little bit uh, not frustrating, but it was a lot more work. And, and Dave, what Eddie in particular wanted to pull out of Dave vocally uh, was a lot, was really high in his range. Like you're saying me wise magic. I mean, if you listen to that, he's singing up high. And uh, I, I remember in the chorus when I'm holding a note, me, you know, Dave would be holding that note and would have the mattress on the floor behind Dave because by the time he finishes, he's like, <laughs> Timber, yeah. <laughs> he was he was finished. But, uh, yeah, so in, in that sense, it did, it did take long. It wasn't like pulling teeth, but it just took a while to get out of Dave what, you know, we're, we are trying, we're to, trying to get, to do. Yeah, get on the, the other hand, then, on the other hand, then, you know, we'd let him during the verse, he could, he go, oh, I, you know, back in his more comfortable Dave range. More, yeah. more comfortable. Well, but listen, th- those three bonus tracks, whatever the human beings and those two are, are, are iconic or, or classic Van Halen must have must listen. So, Hey, it worked, it worked out in the end. It worked out. Yeah. 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 And, and, and just getting back really quick when you're talking about, you know, Gary Sharon being in the band that you like that, you know, there, you know, there was I some do. stuff that, that was that I don't even go into the recording process on that album because that album was just took us freaking everywhere. Alex Van Halen was going through a divorce at that time. And uh, mm-hmm. Ed played drums on some of this. I mean, it was just it was the craziest thing that wow, Ed played drums on some ever, of it. Wow. Yeah. That ever done. He played bass on some of it. There was some stuff that Ed, you know, it's just. And and our uh, our producer that was you know I'm not even gonna I didn't want <laughs> I don't even like to talk about it it was I mean mm. there were only a couple songs on that whole album that we as a actual band played together in the studio when we were recording which was you know yeah. kind of sad because you know it it could have been a lot better but uh, going on that tour though 
was kind of like a breath of fresh air. And, you know, no matter how, Gary, Gary wanted to play the new Van Halen, the old Van Halen, all of it. And we were playing some of the earlier Van Halen stuff that we hadn't played in years. Yeah, you were, somebody get me a doctor. So, you were singing that. You guys yeah, went out mean so streets. Cool. Like, come on. So that, that was, so that, that part of it was, was great. You know, mm-hmm. we had, I had a lot, I had a lot of fun on that tour because we got to play a lot of that material we hadn't played in years. It's, it's right. a, anyway, we, listen, that's about I, as far as I'm going to go on that. Yeah, that well, I, 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 all I was, was going to say is I was working about 50 minutes from home when that album came out, and I would listen to it on the way to work, and I would listen to it on the way home, and I listened to it for like two months straight. So I ended up, I mean, I love it because yeah. I, I sort of pounded it into my head for two months, you know, yeah. Yeah, twice you know, a day. It was, it was to me the kind of album that. For the most part, I don't think you immediately go, oh, wow, that's, no. a, you know, whatever. You got to listen to it because there's a lot going on on that, yes. on that record. Yeah. yeah, but but One I Want or Fire in the Hole or, or Without You, I mean. Year to the Day. I mean, she's one of the greatest songs ever. Jeez. Anyway, listen, I, I like yeah. it, but I, I guess I forced myself <laughs> with those drives hey, back and forth. Fire in the Hole, come on. It was, it was part of the part of the soundtrack to, what, Lethal Weapon 28 or whatever? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it was Lethal Weapon 4 or something like that. <laughs> Oh my God! Here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll wrap up for my end uh, with this. Uh, you're doing that tour with George Thorogood, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with you. Talk to me about that package because most people will say, "Oh, Sammy's got to go out with Europe or Def Leppard or Bon Jovi or yeah. one of these." But this is such a great package. I mean, you're gonna go here. Uh, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer, and then you're going to go here. Cabo Wabo. Now does George? Now I, I, I heard tequila. that George doesn't really drink anymore he, no you guys know anything about it? he doesn't drink no he, okay he, well that's good then because this tour could really turn into a debacle quick <laughs> yeah i know between the tequila and the bourbon it's going to be one but, <laughs> hey, I'm but 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 it's 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 you know it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun obviously there's a lot of different people we could go out with or or, or take out on the road and uh this was actually uh uh, George was actually something that Sammy kind of spearheaded because uh, he knows George, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be it's going to be a big party, you know, but we're going to get down to business, and uh, you're going to hear some good music. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Hey, do you still have your white Yamaha bass from the Live Without a Net video? I think so. Yeah, I've got I've got probably about three hundred bases sitting in my warehouse, and and you've you've kept them all. I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I am, you know, I am kind of the equipment hound though. I've got, I've got some, I've got a lot of equipment that we I used on the first Van Halen tour still. Wow. And I'm, just... and I'm, a, I'm a big fan of all the little analog effects because I've used a lot of them through the years. Yeah. These, you know, those weird, those rolling around solos and stuff. I've got old wah-wah pedals and fuzz tones and all that analog stuff because when it jumped into the digital age, you know, I, I like more of the uncontrolled sound that, that, they, that the analog right. stuff would bring to the mix, you know, instead of the, the right. clean echo or whatever, you know. But uh, so, yeah. so it's safe to say you're an analog guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, right. and, and, that's, and that's the way Van Halen, right up until the last day, we, even when everybody was, uh, like, like you were saying, pro tooling and stuff like that, we had our couple of Studer tape machines at 5150, and that's how we recorded, you know. Uh, we tried doing it the other way, the Pro Tools, but it's just for Van, the Van Halen sound. We thought that we got our sound best by doing yeah. it on record on tape. 
You don't got no NASA Mutt Lang uh, Fairlight system set up there. <laughs> no, hell no. You know, and, and 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 you know, as much as it kind of got away from it a little bit, we always consider ourselves a band that that you know, if we couldn't reproduce it live by ourselves on stage, then then why do it? You know, of course, with a couple of the keyboard songs. But when we played, when Sammy first joined the band, Sammy played guitar and Ed would play the keyboards on like yeah. "Why Can I Just Be Loved" and stuff like that. And then uh, you know, eventually. We'd use a tape for that because Ed wanted to play guitar. But, you know, as far as vocally and all that stuff, they try to sample my vocals live. Yeah. That sound guy's off the tour. <laughs> I, sing, I, sing, I sing all my own stuff, and I always have. Live. Right, yeah. Hey, real quick, just talking about that, uh, the, the first Van Halen tour. Of course, you guys are playing There's Only One Way to Rock and I Can't Drive 55. A lot of fans online these days are like, you know, they could have just played two extra Van Halen songs. Whose idea was it? The, well, the, the 5150, the, the, the Sammy. Yeah, okay. yeah the yeah, first yeah. Sammy tour. The first Sammy tour, yeah. Whose idea was it to play those two Sammy songs on tour? Was it Ed? Or? You know, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a group effort because we wanted to do some Sammy songs, one or two, and it just kind of worked out to where, hey, why don't we do this thing like... Uh, uh, one way to rock or, you know, whatever Sammy would strap on the guitar too. And Ed and Sammy would, you know, they're both they're you know, Eddie obviously is Eddie and mm -hmm. Sammy's no slouch on guitar either, but their styles are so way different. It made for kind of a really cool dynamic, a cool thing to do live. And so that's yeah. why we kind of stuck some of that stuff in there where Sammy could put on a guitar and play with Ed. Just kind of, you know, just gave, gave kind of a new live, new flavor to the live show. Yeah. And it seemed like you guys were just having so much fun too. Those those two songs are just all the works. All the works done in the studio. Once you hit the road, for me, it's like, come on, it's like a now horse see, getting let out of the barn. This is what <laughs> poor uh, poor Jeremy wasn't born at that time, but I got to experience these shows, and I can tell you, Jeremy, it, it, it was fantastic. Oh man, we used to get tanked it, and uh, watch live without a net over and over again in high school. Yeah, yeah. but you know, I that, would go. That's, that's exactly why that almost called live without a net, as opposed to uh, right here, right now, live. You know, I can kind of let you in on this. You know, live without a net, but we recorded. There were no overdubs. I mean, it was we took what we recorded. Of course, we had the soundtrack out there mixing everything, but we didn't go in and fix up stuff or enhance anything. Where with right here, right now, unfortunately, it was kind of like, uh, and this is kind of in part due to Eddie and Alex. You know, they wanted everything to sound so good. It was kind of like, well, as long as we got a good drum track, we can fix this on the bass and fix that. Well, me growing up old school, all the old, you know, from the Who, Grand Funk, Zep, all these bands that I used to listen to. I mean, one of my favorite albums of all time is still the uh, the early Grand Funk Live album. I was a big fan of, of Grand Funk Railroad. And if you listen to that album, you hear mistakes, you hear squeals, feedback, eh, eh, you know, the Who same thing. Yeah. And that's the shit that I want to hear live. It's like, okay, that's live. It's not like, yeah, they're oh, humans. That sounds like an applause track that I hear there, you know? It's like <laughs> It's like Kiss Alive, you got you got over the you got audience one, then over the top, well, and then batshit crazy. Exactly. I mean, we tried, we wanted to do it that way. Oh. But live without net, we wanted to do it that way. We wanted to keep it like raw and this this is the band. This is what yeah. this is what you heard when you were at those shows, you know. And uh, look, I mean, you watch that video and you listen to that audio and like the band is firing on all cylinders. The mix is fantastic. I think it's probably the best sounding live Van Halen yeah. record there was. You yeah. know? It was a great it was a great time in, in the Van Halen, uh, you know, for, for the band, as yeah. it was with, with Dave when, uh, you know, even before, like after Fair Warning or whatever, and we go out and. Uh, yeah. How come you guys never put out a live album with Dave back in the before he left the band? Was there you know, is there weird. full shows recorded? No, you know what? 
Eddie and Al, it's kind of funny because there are a lot of things, you know, people would ask, how come we don't do that? How come we do how come we don't do this? And the first thing, the very first thing that Alex would say would would be, hey, would let would Led Zeppelin do that? You know, because that was one of his favorite favorite bands. But I think the reason we never actually did was because at that point we were kind of thinking, you know, that and a best of or whatever, it's kind of like when bands are at their peak and kind of like, you know, want to sell some albums and not on the way down, but kind of like they've, they've already they've plateaued. Yeah. They, they plateaued. And, you know, especially with like a best of record, because Sammy was always pushing for a best of record. We're like, no, 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 we don't want to do a best of record. We don't, you know, we, we don't have to, we don't want to have to rely on that, but that's why we never recorded with Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We didn't. I mean, we do have some recordings that I'm sure we could put stuff together. We played like, uh, uh, in, in, uh, 82 was it 82 i think we played the capitol center in uh, maryland and yeah. we record like we played some of these shows where they would actually record the show we've got a couple of great videos that we did two nights there mm. and i've got a whole duffel bag that people have given me of bootleg stuff that you know right. uh back then it, you know you, you wouldn't think twice of if, if you're on the sound crew of all of a sudden the sound guys like we're you know he's mixing the show and recording a little tape for himself on the side. A lot of that went on back then too. Right. So I know there's, I know there's stuff floating out there, whether anything else will come to light. I know I've heard boot, a lot of bootleg live stuff with Dave. Some of it, some of it great sounding, a lot of it shitty. Right. Yeah, but, yeah. but Largo and Houston used to tape all the shows. That's why there's so many bootlegs from Largo and yeah, Houston. Largo, yeah. In fact, that's, that's, that's one of my, that's, that's one of my favorite. Uh, I think, I think the second show I like better than the first because we, they recorded them both. And, and then for whatever fee, that the band could buy the uh, the videos, and uh, oh. I've got I, I still have those videos from those shows, and, and uh, you know oh. it was a great time. Yeah, yeah well, hey, there, there's a project to work on for a, for a CD vinyl release. There you go. Yeah, yeah well, you know, <laughs> the ultimate box set, the, the ultimate, ultimate box bootleg set. box set. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm down. I'm down. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, MadAnthonyCafe.com. You can go check out the hot sauces. Of course, he's got really cool uh, throwback nostalgic guitar pick packs up for grabs, which sell like instantly as soon as they go up online. I'm still trying to get one. Well, and, they are. Uh, they're, they're becoming pretty scarce. Uh, that's why the, I think the last one we did, we they they up the we up the price on it only because uh, I don't want you know I, these are actual picks that yeah. were used and I had made back then. And, you know, some of those, well, why don't you just get, uh, get your company to just make you up a bunch of those picks, like reproduction picks. I go, no, I don't want to do that. You know, cause then I'd, you know, I, then I'm just wanting to make money off of selling picks. These picks that we were yeah. selling, they are actually picks that I had. Some of them I not, I didn't necessarily use, but they were all made back in the day. back, back then. Then. Yeah. So this is like a pick from 1982. It's yeah. yeah. We're, search we're searching for a few more. I mean, this, the last few batches that we came out with my, my tech doogie was going through a couple of old road cases in my warehouse and goes, God, look what I found. And he found these Japanese, I didn't even know we made picks for Japan. Wow. And so we had to, we sent them out and we're like, what is, what is this? What does this say? Cause that Japanese writing about, we're like, what is this stuff? But it was kind of it was kind of cool. Yeah, it was kind of a cool find, and I, I think there's some more, a little bit more of it out there. I hope. Yeah. All anyway, right. That's a little fun fact about. Yeah, it. that's really cool though, because you know a lot of bands will do that. They'll reproduce, you know, backstage passes and this and that. You know, you're yeah. the real deal. Yeah. I mean, if if I was to do something like that, I would say this yeah. is a reproduction of this, or whatever. But no, these picks that we sold are, are the, the real deal from back then. 
Yeah, I can't remember which band it was, but they put out a box and they had like backstage passes in there, like reproduced versions like of the sticky workings. And like mm -hmm. somebody posted, are like these are just like shitty, like eight by eight and a half by eleven, like you know, pieces of paper. Like they're not even like thick or like the cotton or anything. Right, right. <laughs> Bands, mm -hmm. you know. Anyways, yeah, well, look, you. let's let's wrap up. I mean, geez, you've said it all. Uh, such a great time. Always, always chatting with you. It's always a blast. Um, yeah, so this it's a lot year, of fun. We went. I'm looking at the. the, the way over you know now i'm now i'm late for walking my dogs you know I'm <laughs> well at least we don't have a publicist ringing the bell right now saying wrap it up wrap it up <laughs> yeah so look it's gonna it's gonna be a big year uh you know the new circle yeah, we're gonna, record we're gonna go out and have a lot of fun you know it's uh we're gonna be out there touring playing and uh i can't wait for the album to come out for everybody to hear it Awesome. And of course, this uh, secret Van Halen tribute tour homage, whatever you guys are going to be calling it. I mean, keep, keep listening and keep watching. You never, <laughs> you you never, know, gonna... you never know what rumor is going to spread next. <laughs> right. That's it. And of course, you're going to come on this show to make the announcement. So that's exciting. Oh, well, yeah. You know, a little, little something for the, uh, you know, for the right. call. You know? Yeah. 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 There, you go. there you go. All right. Well, yeah. look, uh, you know, if something's going to happen, it'll, you know, yeah, if it yeah. happens, it happens. I hope, I hope it does. I hope it does. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, Eddie's gone, but the rest of us are still here. So, yep. you know. Right. That's it. It'd be, like, it'd, be lot, it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a great time and, and playing, all the, playing all the music. And look, there's worse guitar players you could get. I mean, Joe Satriani is a freaking legend, and he's, he's the yeah, guy to do it. He's, yeah, he's no slouch. I, 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 got, I got a few guitar playing friends that are... <laughs> on the short list. Listen, I have every chicken foot album. I can tell you Joe's good. Joe's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny. We had Joe on the show about like we had Joe on the show about two months ago and he had his Frankenstein guitar and he was showing it off and everything. And I'm like, oh, so that's why he was showing us the Frankenstein guitar. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. See? Yeah, Joe's got a new album out too. Come on, Joe, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. The Elephants <laughs> of Mars available now. <laughs> All right, Mikey, uh, this was fantastic. Thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. And uh, hopefully Good we get to see you guys. at the show. All right, guys. Thank you. Take care soon. Hopefully we'll uh, come up your way at some point. Yeah, I hopefully. would love to. We haven't seen Sammy in, what was the last time? 2019. 2019. Yeah, yeah, couple... yep, I will break my sobriety yeah. to do a shot with we'll you guys. A, shot and I'll make you, uh, a couple shots and I'll make you drink some of my hot sauce. Yes. I'll do that. I'll I'm drink in. some hot sauce. I'm in. Don't say right. that. Don't say Cheers. That. I did. <laughs> I'll do the hot sauce. I'm not afraid of hot yeah. sauce. I some like Santo Mezquila and some Michael Anthony hot it sauce. It does. It does taste good, though. It's not just hot. It tastes good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I love it. Let's go. All Throw right. Some on the okay. Cheers. Bye bye now. Okay. Take care. See you later. Bye. Okay. An all new episode of the Mitchell Fun and Jeremy White Show Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.